The contents of the TPR podcast and the opinions expressed therein are solely for informational purposes and do not constitute financial, investment, or legal advice. While there has been some efforts by federal agencies to provide guidance for the blockchain industry, the lack of comprehensive regulatory framework has left many unanswered questions for businesses and investors in the space. It's this lack of clarity that has caused confusion and has stifled and in some ways stalled the growth of the industry here in America. The classification of tokens as securities or not by the SEC, the lack of clear guidance on tax treatment, has all created an air of uncertainty. This poses a significant challenge to the growth and development of the industry in the United States. Now, at a state level, we're beginning to see some regulations taking shape, and some states are taking more of a positive stance than others. Wyoming has been praised for passing multiple bills that provide more clarity and support for the industry, recognizing LLC entity formations for DAOs, and enabling banks to provide regular banking services in addition to blockchain-based services to their customers. The state of Texas has shown its support for safeguarding individuals to develop or code on the Bitcoin network, and in addition, safeguard miners. A state representative there emphasized that Texas's constitutional rights regarding unreasonable searches or seizures should also apply to digital asset holdings of its residents. In addition, last week, Texas lawmakers voted to include the use of digital currencies in the state's Bill of Rights. Now, on the other hand, we have New York, which is known for its strict bit license requirements. And now we have Illinois, which has just introduced DARA, which would effectively ban DeFi protocols and also aim to control and police the entire industry from mining all the way to trading and even staking, which threatens to stifle innovation and drive businesses out of the states. Welcome, you're watching the Tron Policy Report. With us today, we have Michael Frisch. Mike has extensive experience in navigating emerging government regulations. He's advised clients on regulatory compliance, investigations, and enforcement matters relating to digital assets, and on investments and corporate and organizational structuring, governance, and best practices. Mike's background in the cryptocurrency industry began at the Commodity Futures Trading Commission, or the CFTC, where he bought one of the CFTC's first enforcement actions involving cryptocurrency and was part of the team responsible for the CFTC's action against Tether in 2021. He also contributed to the CFTC's final interpretive guidance on actual delivery for digital assets. Mike is highly experienced in litigation and has served as senior advisor and legal counsel to Mayor Lightfoot, advising on legal policy and labor issues. Additionally, he served as the chair of the Public Policy and Regulatory Committee of the Global Digital Asset and Cryptocurrency Association in 2022. Mike is a highly skilled lawyer with a wealth of experience in navigating complex regulatory issues in the digital asset industry. All right. Well, Mike, thank you so much for being on the show with us today. Now, there's a lot happening in Illinois right now. Uh, Illinois has just proposed a bill known as DARA uh, that could have some, some big impact on the industry there in Illinois. Everything from the business enterprise level down to an individual level. So could you just take a moment and kind of give us an overview of DARA and what it's proposing? Sure, I'd be happy to do that. Uh, and thanks very much for having me. Uh, I'm excited to be here. Um, so I guess before I get into the particulars about DARA, I think it's important to just kind of step back and talk about what's going on here. A lot of states have noticed, obviously, that there's a major gap in, in regulation at the federal level. Uh, and there's not, there is, you know, there does not seem to be any significant progress for, you know, real policymaking at the federal level. Um, and certainly in Congress, uh, you know, all of the activity um, at the federal level has really been essentially regulation, you know, by enforcement um, or, 
you know, limited administrative actions that bodies like the CFTC, the SEC, and banking regulators can take. So, so there's really a void. Um, and some state regulators have, have tried to step in to fill that void. The first, you know, way early out of the gate was obviously New York with the bit license regime. Um, but in the last, I'd say, six months or so, we're seeing a, a number of other states uh, come in to try to do something similar. Um, and in some instances, you know, go further than what uh, New York did in, in bit license. Uh, New Jersey is, is an example of that. Um, Pennsylvania is, is, an, is an example of something that the efforts is, that's just starting there. And Illinois is another example as well. Um, so with that as background, I can give a little context about what DARA is trying to do and kind of where it's at. Would that be helpful? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so DARA stands for the Digital Assets Regulation Act um, of, of Illinois. And it was it's a bill that's been proposed by the banking regulator here in the state uh, called IDFPR. And essentially, it, it's in a lot of ways, it's quite similar to, to, to the New York bill, bit license. And it broadly defines something called digital assets business activity. Uh, and in order to conduct digital assets business activity in the state, you, you need to have a, uh, a license from IDFPR. And digital assets uh, business activity is, is really defined um, quite broadly. So uh, it, it means exchanging, transferring, or storing a digital asset. It means engaging in digital asset administration, which we can get into. Um, and then there's a broad catch-all that says any other business activity involving digital assets designated by rule by the department. So essentially, IDFPR would would reserve authority to deem you know any other um, any business activity it deems to be um, important to be covered by the the law. Um, and again, broadly speaking, if you're in, if this were to pass, if you're engaging in digital asset business activity, then you need to get a license from um, from the state regulator um, and you need to comply with all the various requirements, everything from having a helpline set up that a customer could call to capital requirements to insurance. Uh, it's a whole panoply of, uh, of regulation there. You kind of touched on um, some of the, the compliance that people will have to meet in order to get this. Um, and it seems like a lot. I was reading through the bill and there's just, it, it, it makes it seem almost like impossible or just very hard, very hard. Yeah, you know, I think, it, first of all, I, I'll, I'll say that it is well-intentioned. You know, the, the regulators here in Illinois are, are, you know, they're seeing some of these, you know, crypto-related frauds and and, uh, and and big bankruptcies that are happening, especially in the CFI world. Um, and there's a real impetus to protect, you know, Illinois customers. Um, you know, since this was announced a few months ago, there, there have been a lot of discussions with the regulator and, you know, in the legislature about, you know, what are we really trying to do here? Is this the smartest way to, to go about it? And one of the big biggest points um, that's been discussed here is kind of like the difference between how do we regulate DeFi versus how do we regulate, you know, centralized financial, you know, centralized financial institutions like exchanges. Um, you know, if you read the bill, a lot of what is written here makes some sense, I would say, for, you know, trust companies or centralized exchanges that are holding customer funds, you know, things like capital requirements and disclosures, uh, complex disclosures and, um, you know, insurance requirements, you know, that, that makes some sense for an entity like a Coinbase, um, which is not regulated really at the federal level. 
um, in the way that a bank would be um, or at the state level. But it makes a lot less sense when you're talking about, you know, um, a decentralized you know, finance protocol, or if you're talking about a startup launched by, you know, some students at University of Illinois who are building something out of their dorm room. Um, and there's been real concerns about, um, you know, is this overbroad? You know, what are we trying to sweep in? And are we painting all of crypto, all of Web3 with the same broad brush? It's good. I love that you differentiated between those because I think I think in, there's confusion right across the landscape when it comes to whether it's central banking concepts, uh, the digital currencies there, stable coins, the the differences in the exchange versus decentralized elements. And I mean, what do you see as as far as how Illinois is going? Kind of two part question here, like. The implementation of a bill like this, it's going to affect individuals, it's going to affect enterprise. What do you see the challenges, right, of implementing something like this? Is it welcoming of crypto? Is it welcoming of blockchain tech and innovation? Like, like what, what do you see some of the challenges uh, to be or forecast those to be when you talk about in, in implementing this? Yeah, implementation it would be very challenging were this bill to pass. And, and I'll just say... Um, you know, it was announced a few months ago, uh, very quickly uh, and without much debate, it, it, it successfully passed the Illinois House. And it's now in the Illinois Senate. Um, it's been assigned to a committee. There was a hearing on the bill on Wednesday, um, where frankly, a lot of these discussions, these concerns that you and I are talking about now were, were, were raised. So it's really unclear what's gonna happen with the bill. Um, the my understanding is that the uh, you know I'm not a Springfield insider like some of my colleagues are, but my my understanding is practically the deadline for the bill to move out of the Senate and get to the governor's desk is later this week is the 19th, and if it doesn't move this time, then you know IDFPR could could try again um, you know in the veto session or or next next session, which frankly is is a, is a very real possibility. So even if it doesn't pass this time, I think there's a there's a good chance we'll need to deal with it. Again, um, implementation would be would be very very challenging. Um, you know, the Illinois banking regulator is a, is a small is a small regulator. We're talking about you know hundreds, if not thousands, of of applicants that would in theory need to be licensed here. You know, there there is a um, transition period um, specified in the bill, so it wouldn't go into effect overnight. Um, but you know. The way it's written now, if the if the scope doesn't change, then we're talking about you know pretty much every business entity in Illinois that touches crypto in one of the ways I've described would need to come in and get licensed. Um, you know, there, there's also in terms of of um, uh, implementation, there, there's a lot left to rule rulemaking. Um, there's a lot of authority delegated to the state regulator. To write rules governing the particulars of, of what would be regulated and, and how it would be regulated. Um, so expect if this were to pass a long process um, of, of rulemaking as well before things really get firmed up. Yeah, so we were just kind of talking about uh, other states that have started to sort of outline their own regulatory framework. Um, I think a good question for that is what's what do you think has sort of led to states stepping up to begin to to promote their own legislation and their own their own regulations here what what sort of things have led to this being the case and is this something that you see as a continuing trend 
I, I do, you know, and, and again, you know, I think um, lawmakers in, in states, you know, in large states, uh, have, you know, feel pressure, I think, to make sure their, their customers are protected and, and to make sure that um, some of these you know, really bad um, um, you know, collapses like we saw a few months ago with FTX um, aren't going to directly impact their, their residents. Um, you know, and I think, I think another, you know, one of the things that's motivating all this is that there's really not a, a clear regulator at the federal level who's who's responsible for um, for all aspects of, you know, kind of the crypto market. Um, there's no banking regulator you can point to. I mean, FTX obviously was a was a watershed moment. Um, and a lot of the fallout we're seeing now are, are, are regulators kind of taking a look at what could have gone differently. Um and you know, there, there's no sense, there's no one regulator at the federal level who's responsible for uh, centralized exchanges, um, and there's no one regulator responsible for for crypto. Um, and so, part of the part of the narrative we've seen has been making sure people understand that actually there are a lot of um, three letter agencies <laughs> or four letter agencies that are already involved in policing the markets. Um, one one little vignette here in Illinois. Um, when when lawmakers, you know, when the proponents of this bill were were in Springfield talking about why it was necessary, that you know they pointed to this fraud that occurred in Pilsen in Chicago by a company called Crypto FX. Um, Pilsen is a heavily Latino neighborhood um, here in Chicago, and Crypto FX was essentially operating a, a fraud, a, a crypto fraud. Um, and you know they were taking folks' money and not doing anything with it, stealing it essentially. Um, and one of the reasons why um, this bill was was being brought forward was you know hey the need to protect you know residents in Pilsen and elsewhere in in Illinois. Um, but you know what was interesting about an argument like that is like look what happened to these guys. You know the the crypto FX uh, team was all charged by the SEC. Um, you know, there are multiple investigations against them. Um, you know, their business has been shut down. So, you know, a question that was raised is like, well, is this working? You know, maybe there's enough uh, regulation, maybe there's enough, you know, authority already in place. Um, and when you look at the, you know, how active the SEC, the CFTC, DOJ, FinCEN, you know, has been in the space, um, you know, you, you start to ask, you know, why does a, a specific bill like this that, you know, licenses this activity, um, you know, why, why is that necessary? Yeah, it's important. And I mean, I think, and I think in what you do in the line of work that you do, obviously you're constantly thinking about both sides, like the individual, the, 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 the enterprise side as well. I mean, like how, what's, what's that balance, right? How do regulators strike the balance between protecting the individual, like those those residents there in Pilsen, you know, how, did, how does it strike the balance between that versus really welcoming the innovation? Because, you know, like, I mean, look at look at one of the major ad campaigns out right now that's that's pushing back and saying we've got an outdated financial system. It's old and it's, you know, all that stuff. Like, what's that balance between we know we need some innovation, but we also really how do you inform and encourage regulators to think about that? Yeah, I, I think there there is a real balance, you know, um, and and to me, like I'm I'm a former uh, federal financial regulator myself. I, I I worked for years at the CFTC in the Division of Enforcement, but I'm so I'm I'm certainly pro regulation if it's smart and common sense and is effective. 
Um, but you know, I'm also deep into crypto and all, all of my clients pretty much are in web three and digital assets in some way, shape or form. So, so for, you know, and I see the real value of, of the technology and I, unlike some in Washington, I mean, certainly I, I don't think it should be, you know, squashed out or regulated out of existence. So for, for me, there's a few principles that, you know, this is my personal opinion here, but there's a few principles that I think are, are salient, you know, for, first and foremost, you know, my, my my belief is that if you're operating a centralized financial institution where you are holding customer funds and you control customer funds, um, you are essentially operating something that looks very much like a bank. And I think you should be regulated um, some, you know, something like a bank or a, a financial intermediary like um, a, a trust company or an ATS. Um, you know, when yeah. you look at um, what happened with with Sam Bankman Fried and, and FTX, that, that really should not have happened. There should have been some kind of a prudential regulator making sure that that you know the customer funds were there and the principles of you know uh, you know safety and soundness and security were being maintained. You know, just just like a um, uh, a DCO, you know, in in the CFTC space or you know like a securities exchange in the security space. So. Um, at the same time, I, I don't think that that same level of regulation or type of regulation makes sense when you're talking about the technology itself. So it's really it's really distinguishing between centralized entities and the underlying technology. You know, there's no regulator that oversees you know uh, the code base that runs the email. Um, you know, there's there's no regulator that actually you know polices the internet as a technology itself. Um, and I think that's right. I think that makes sense. So that's, I think principle one would be C5 versus D5 and treating them very differently. Um, and then principle number two is self-regulation. Um, you know, we've seen, uh, a, a, there's a great history in this country and around the world of industry coming together to, to regulate itself. Um, you saw that in the security space, you know, with FINRA in the commodity space with, you know, the NFA. Um, and there's you know, many, many decades of historical precedent uh, around that. And Web3 and crypto, we've been trying to, to and there's, you know, there's a bunch of different um, groups that have come together to stand up. Probably the, the biggest one, the one I'm involved in, is called the Global DCA, Global Digital Asset and Cryptocurrency Association, which is you know, essentially a group of people coming together to say, we want to be a self-regulatory organization for the space um, and write rules and you know, police ourselves. Um, so that would, I think that, I think a lot of, a lot of work can be done there, um, you know, with common sense, smart regulation driven by the industry. Um, and then, um, the, the third thing to keep in mind is what I touched on before is, you know, really broad anti-fraud and anti-manipulation jurisdiction. So it's one thing, I think giving regulators the power to write rules to govern an exchange like Coinbase is, is one thing. Um, and I think we should be relatively narrow around that. But, you know, giving DOJ, SEC, CFTC the authority to, to police fraud um, and come in hard when people are harmed, I think is super important. And we, we have that today. So those are my big three. Those are my big three. That's good. Yeah. And I, I think, you know, you touched on something we've we've dropped FTX now twice. And, and I think that it's it's significant. Right. Because as soon as we saw that sort of the wake of that was a more um, reactive versus proactive approach uh, because something had to be done at that point. 
Um, and so I, but I see this shift happening now where we're moving more towards proactive versus reactive, which is really, it's positive for the industry overall, I think. I hope so. You know, I, and like I, you know, I think, you know, uh, bear markets are for builders. I hope the same is true when it comes to regulation that now is a good time for us to sit down and, and think through um, common sense, you know, comprehensive regulation. But to me, like that really starts with Congress. And the, the conversations have not been very productive, um, from what I can tell, at the federal level. Uh, and it's unfortunate. You know, um, uh, many people know this, but Sam Bingman Fried, in a lot of ways, was sort of the, the standard bearer for, for smart regulation at the federal level. You know, he had a, a bill that he was shopping around Washington, and he had a, a number of sponsors, and it made sense. It would have covered centralized exchanges in the way that I that I discussed, and it would have covered, covered stable coins and and a lot of other areas where there's uncertainty. And I think rightly so, a lot of lawmakers in Washington felt very, very badly burned um, about what happened um, and pulled back away from, from that proposal in particular. Um, another example is uh, FTX had this innovative, FTX US, the US arm, had this really innovative idea where they were proposing to issue derivatives directly to US customers without going through an intermediary. Um, and they were arguably allowed to do this under um, a DCO license that they had acquired. Um, and they were seeking approval from the CFTC. And you know this was pre-collapse, obviously. And the, the, it was a pretty radical proposal. And at the time, the CFTC's position was, oh, okay, let's talk about this. And they, and they had, a number of roundtables. You may remember those. There was a congressional hearing about it, and the answer wasn't no off the bat. You know, people were the CFTC was taking it seriously, um, and then FTX blew up. And you know, I don't know what what happened behind closed doors over in Washington, but boy, I, I bet you they're very glad that they didn't move forward with with that <laughs> with that uh, proposal. And I think rightly so. Now there's kind of like. This this fear that you know any engagement with the crypto industry is going to is going to backfire um, on lawmakers and regulators. So we we really need to to overcome that dynamic and and do something that makes sense. Well, I, I know we're getting toward wrapping up here, but I, I think you just touched on something that's super important, and 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 that leads to I think why the states are taking action, right? And, and, and but it is so it is such a walk on eggshells kind of thing, right? I mean, it's such a whatever great metaphor you want to throw in there. It's such a it's such a um, sensitive moment because I think you've got the commerce side of what states want to do, and they want to welcome business and they want to welcome innovation and they want, and then you've got the but oh no, what if all of a sudden, right? And I mean, so how how. How can states and well, first, which states do you know about because of your network and because of what's going on with the global DCA? Like, which which states do you know that are really trying to move forward in this? Um, just would love to hear a quick highlight on that. But then, like, how how do they approach that tender that that fine line, right? In in going about this. Yeah. So there there was a, a very concerted effort in New Jersey. Uh, a couple months ago to, to try to do something very similar to the bit license regime. And I think uh, I, I'm not fully up to date on what's going on there, but I think it's fair to say it was essentially stopped um, by you know, proponents of uh, in the cryptocurrency you know, industry because it, it didn't make a lot of sense for a lot of the same reasons you know we've talked about today. 
Um, I know Pennsylvania is very early um, on doing something similar. California had an effort that started and then stopped, was stopped by the governor. Um, and uh, uh, in, from I've, I've heard some discussions that, you know, these large states are, you know, they're, they're talking, um, you know, amongst themselves to try to come out with some kind of a coordinated approach, um, which I, I welcome. If there's going to be state regulation, it should be it should be coordinated. Um, I think a, a big question is like, has the bit license regime been successful? Um, you know, like, would it have prevented the FTX, uh, uh, you know, it, um, fallout or collapse? I, I don't think so. Um, if you look at who's been licensed in New York, it's very few licenses have actually been issued. And, and, you know, they're all from the biggest institutions that can afford to go through that that process. Um, so I guess it depends what metric you you judge it on. Um, but, you know, you, you have to ask, you know, for, for many of my clients, New York is a big black hole. It's a no good. It's a no go zone. Um, and, you know, you, I guess query whether that's the a feature or a bug, you know, <laughs> is that what, is that what the intent was or not? You know, the, in Illinois, um, there's a thriving startup community in Chicago um, in Web3. Um, there's a lot of founders here, uh, um, a lot of VC. It's kind of, you know, um, underappreciated uh, as one of the capitals, in my view, of, um, uh, you know, digital assets here, here in the U.S. And the governor, Last year, you know, made some announcements about um, his support for the industry. And I, I do think that's still there, but you're right, Jason. There, there's a um, a, a balance trying to be walked between protecting investors, protecting residents, and, and welcoming um, businesses. And in my view, the way to do that is to is to regulate centralized players that hold people's money and give free reign to the development of the technology itself. Well, I think this has been a really insightful conversation today. Um, thank you so much for your time. I appreciate you being here with us and telling us about this. Um, now we will learn more about Zara on May 19th. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. I think we'll know more. Um, we'll know whether or not something changes and, and it moves um, by by the May by May nineteenth. Um, and uh, yeah, and we'll we'll see. You know, there's also the opportunity for there to be changes. It's certainly developing. It's it's a uh, kind of a fluid situation. Um, uh, it you know, the the regulator has been pretty responsive um, to to the concerns of the industry. Um, you know, for example. Recently, they they amended it to exclude um, something that is you know, purely the development of software. So the language says um, it's business activity does not include the development and dissemination of software in and of itself. So again, that that's a step I think in the right direction to acknowledging the difference between DeFi and CFI. Um, but so you know it, you know it's very fluid and, and changing. But if you're if you're in Illinois, this is definitely something you should you should pay attention to if your business is in Illinois or if you're touching Illinois uh, customers. Well, thank you so much for being here today. We might have to have you back on to talk more about this uh, when when we know more about this. But <laughs> anytime. <laughs> uh, yeah. Thanks really so much. Thank okay. you. Bye bye. -bye.